Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, everything for real estate investing, tax, legal, and business needs. Um, I'm here today with a good friend of mine, Joe Fairless, uh, the phenomenal, the one that's coming out with uh, some hot knowledge here coming up uh, soon. He just let me know before we started recording today. Um, Joe, thanks for coming on the show. And then what do the listeners need to, to know about you and, and this best deal that you're going to be telling us about today? Uh, well, I thank you for having me on the show. Looking forward to our conversation and willing to know about me and the best deal. Well, um, I'm a full-time real estate investor focused on apartment communities. I partner with accredited investors on, on, our, on our apartment communities. They passively invest in our deals, uh, so otherwise known as apartment syndication. I... Um, uh, I am originally from Texas, live in Cincinnati with my wife. She's pregnant, due in early October. Looking forward to that with baby girl. And as far as the best deal goes, it is a deal that we did as the first deal with my company. Uh, I've co-founded with my business partner, Frank, uh, in Houston, Texas, a property called Woodland Village. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, congratulations. It's always great to... Um you know, welcome a new person into the world here, like you're going to here with the baby. So that's awesome. And the, um, you know, uh, and you're a fellow Texan. So I don't know, this is really just a fortuitous event here. I was actually yeah. raised in Houston, Northwest side on Copperfield. Oh, cool. Area, Very right? cool. So, um, so welcome neighbor. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, one of the great things that, uh, I think is really neat about what, you know, the work you do with inside of the syndication work, um, is that uh, it's really like the next level poker for a lot of people about where you're actually making bets and how do you actually need to be smarter about how you're investing. You know, a lot of people say like with single multifamilies, you know, one to four unit, it's pretty tough to go wrong. If you wait long enough, you'll, the markets will depreciate your way out of a bad deal. Mm -hmm. um, but with the apartment uh, buildings, you have to be a little bit more careful um, into what they do. And I know you're working on educating people in that area of it. Um, what do you think... Um, you know, in terms of background for this actual deal itself, how did you guys end up finding that? My, my business partner found the deal. And the interesting thing is he was not, he was not my business partner at the time. Uh, we were introduced through a mutual friend. And the reason why we were introduced through a mutual friend is because Frank, my business partner, had the deal identified, but he didn't have the funding in order to close. So he didn't have the money to close a deal, but he had the deal. He was working full time at a company that does what we do. So he was uh, on the acquisitions team for a company that purchases apartment communities. And he was looking to start his own thing. Um, his company was more focused on student housing and uh he had this opportunity, but um, didn't have the money. And he kept going to private equity groups and because he was in Los Angeles. So he had some relationships with some private equity groups and those groups would 
all ask these questions. And as Frank said at the time, everyone wanted to be the smartest person in the room with all these questions and Frank would answer the questions, but then nothing would come of it. Uh, so he uh, was introduced to me through a mutual friend and I had um, a network of investors. I, I have a network of investors. Uh, and so once I looked at the deal, I initially wanted to introduce him to a couple other people because I was busy doing my own projects at the time. And I did, I actually did introduce him to some other people who I said, Hey, how about, can you all look at this deal? And if it works then great, you can partner with Frank and you know, you all can do, do this deal. I didn't want any part of it initially because I didn't really look at it and I just didn't have the time. But then he heard back from private equity groups. They weren't investing in the deal. He heard back from uh, the other people who I introduced him to. They, for whatever reason, didn't invest in the deal. And so I um, looked at it again and I said, you know what? This actually is a great deal. Let's, let's partner up on it. And so we um, ended up moving forward with it. So Frank actually, I mean, it sounds like he got kicked around a little bit. He did <laughs> I mean, a lot of bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It sounds like he got kicked on for a good amount of time from like having to meet with private equity people. And then you even introduced him to people I did. that already trusted you. Yep. And I was like, no. So that seems kind of wild, right? Like you have all of these other people that are reviewing the deals would already be kind of warm into wanting to say yes to that deal. Um, and it turns out to be like a great deal on paper after you take a look at that. So isn't that kind of crazy? Like, what is the difference? Is that just like you have a magic wand about being able to have the insights and other people just missed it? The difference is, well, it's, it's going to be different for every person who said no, I think. I don't think there was a common theme. I think we can group some things though together. One and this is me speculating, by the way, so I, I don't know for sure, but my speculation is that the private equity groups said no because of his lack of experience doing his own deals. They need to check certain boxes with uh, their team and with their uh, board of approval or their approval board in order to actually get the deals done. Um, so that's probably why I'm for private equity for the individuals who I introduced them to. Uh, I don't know. I, I, perhaps they just didn't look at it thoroughly enough. Uh, I, I, I actually don't know. Um, but we ended up, well, the other thing is that this was summer of 2015 in Houston, Texas. And since you're familiar with Houston, you'll know that, or you might remember that there were, there were headlines in all of the news outlets about oil just, just plummeting and Houston being in big time trouble as a result of that. And since this deal was in Houston, that scared off a lot of people, including our lender, about a week before we were supposed to close. No kidding. Holy yes. smokes. It was, it was a major challenge. We had to switch horses in, 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 at the last minute. And the reason why was because they attempted to retrade us. So they, um, for, for anyone not familiar with that term, they said one thing initially, but then when we got down to closing, they uh, wanted 
a significant amount, uh, a, a, a significantly more equity that we brought to the table, which isn't what we agreed on, and that didn't didn't help our returns. Let alone, we didn't have that equity to begin with because we didn't prepare for that. So we were able to switch lenders quickly through relationships that each of us had. Fortunately, through his relationships in the industry and my relationships in the industry, we found the lender. Um, but we had all sorts of people saying no, and and in fact, I still have some emails from investors who uh, initially looked at it and lived in Houston at the time. And they said, no, no, thank you. I was scrambling big time because I wasn't, my network wasn't as built out as it is now. So I was actually following up with investors who I sent the deal and asking them, Hey, did you look at this? Are you interested? I didn't say it that way. That was basically what I was doing. Whereas now I actually just sent an opportunity out to my network earlier today and I don't follow up with anyone. They just follow up once they're in and then that's it. I'll answer questions, but I don't follow proactively follow up because I don't need to because the deals fill up so fast. But before that wasn't the case. And I would reach out to people uh, who I was connected to, but I hadn't spoken to, uh, spoken with for 10 years. Uh, I would reach out to them on LinkedIn because they lived in Houston and I'd say, Hey, buying a deal in Houston. Uh, here's a couple of deals. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? But I was, I mean, I was in mission critical stage. I was just trying to do whatever it took to make it happen. And it was incredibly challenging uh, for all those reasons, the market, um, the location it being in Houston and the things that were happening with oil and dominating all the headlines at the time. Uh, and, you know, having, the lack of track record um, with for for the debt and equity investor or the debt um, lender and then the equity investors it, it was incredibly challenging well you're doing all of that scramble is the is that where you still have money on the line like where you have a significant amount of capital at risk or was it just like oh man I really want to make this deal come through and I'm doing everything I can to make it happen hundred and forty thousand dollars yeah yeah yep, was that risk yeah. So you're scrambling, scrambling because that's mm -hmm. not, you don't want to walk, you can't walk away from that. Yep. Is that, so how are you, how are you, um, yeah, how are you coping, you know, while you're going through that process? Because that's gotta be high stress level with that. Do you have like a, a routine, like a, a particular routine that you follow with, you know, some guys I talk to, they're like, Hey, it's my morning. It's my morning routine that sets me up for the rest of the day. If I own the morning, I can own the day what's going on and like the more intense like the stress levels become is the more I fall into like the routines I know that like lead me to success yeah is, is that something that you follow too or is it just kind of natural for you to to be okay in that level of stress nothing in my life has meaning until I decide to give it meaning and that's how I approach life our conversation that we're having right now and the things that you say to me it has no meaning until I decide the meaning to give it and it's a very powerful philosophy uh, because everyone listening to this podcast will have different interpretations and take varying degrees of no action to massive action based on our conversation. And it's not because there are multiple variations of this interview. There's only one, but there's multiple variations of how people interpret what's being said. Um, at this at, at that point in time and so what i believe is that 
when challenges arise, it's happening for me and not to me. And so it's there so that I can become a, a stronger, a better business professional, entrepreneur, and real estate investor. With that meaning, which is incredibly powerful, I, I, I don't look forward to challenges because it's not, I'm not a masochist, but I do embrace them. And I do know that with challenges, I'm going to come out even stronger. Uh, so no, I'm not, I was not stressed. Uh, I was excited about the challenge and I knew that I was going to get stronger as a result of it. And, and part of that too is probably that's not the first time that you've had to run in to Correct. test to test that piece right what you're describing right there my understanding of that anyway is that that type of mindset is actually a discipline a discipline of the mind that typically a mind will want to go into like a fight or flight or a fear state of being mm -hmm. and what you're describing is like no i've trained my mind to actually say we're not going to go into fear we're going to stay into an objective reality of what's going on and see what i can actually do to overcome the challenge is that fair to Very say true absolutely true it is intentional training that i have uh, done with my mind through personal development, uh, watching every single YouTube video on Tony Robbins when I got going as an entrepreneur, watching TED Talks uh, in between you know, certain activities during my workday now, listening to motivational videos on YouTube or um, reading certain books, then ultimately practicing it and being grateful for what I have. Uh, and knowing that I'm going to die, we're all going to die. It's a fate we all share. So um, when I recognize that, whenever it's top of mind, uh, it puts things in perspective too. And it doesn't trivialize the challenges because they are real world challenges, but it doesn't put undue emphasis on them. Um, and it does put things in perspective so that, okay, it's this, but you know, could be worse, could be a lot worse. Uh, and if I have a problem thinking about what could be worse, then I simply go volunteer and I help those who are less fortunate. And, you know, it's immediately apparent what, um, how, how, how incredible my life is. And quite frankly, those who I volunteer for, they could do the same thing. I mean, it, there, there's always someone who's worse off. Um, so having that mindset, I mean, it's, 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 it's necessary to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and what a, I mean, an awesome reminder into that, right? I mean, I heard you key off a couple key things that, that made me um, just like rung my like personal bells in there of like the necessity of having like gratitude is incorporated as part of your day and part of the routine. And then, you know, if you really start getting bogged down and just volunteering, giving back to others for some reason that it seems to always enrich us when we're feeling empty, um, just as human beings into that. And I was wondering in that, you know, cause you work with so many investors, right? Yep. Um, with this is how much of it is, um, that separates people between their technical abilities of being able to know about deals versus the mindset that they bring. What is the, where is that weighted? Um, and will you elaborate on that question? I want to make sure I'm answering it correctly. Yeah, I think I kind of convoluted it. 
you know, what I'm trying to get at is saying, you know, is, is it really successful investors? Is it really because they understand the technicals of how to do the investment really, really well? Or is long-term success, in your opinion, much more related to saying, you know, it's the strong mindsets and the strong disciplines around how we control our mind is that really determines what our outcomes are going to be? The really successful investors are the ones who uh, evolve over time. And it doesn't have to be evolving to, you know, fixing and flipping to wholesaling to commercial properties. I'm not referring to that. I'm simply referring to um, something that Jim Rome says, a personal development uh, guy. He said, um, work harder on yourself than you do your job. Uh, that's, and so to answer your question, that's both mindset and technical stuff. Uh, because if you're working harder on yourself, then those skill sets certainly apply towards the technical aspects. But first and foremost, take care of yourself and continue to improve yourself. And those are the next level investors uh, that are are um, that I've seen that are out there. And then also, you know, the um, you know, I, I only work with accredited investors, so those are investors who have earned at least $250,000 the last couple of years or 300K if they're a couple uh, or, and, or they have a million dollars net worth, not including the primary residence. So they're successful from a dollars and cents standpoint. They are successful uh, business people. And uh, that is something I've seen, not in all of them, certainly not in all of them, um, but in a lot of them is the focus on personal development and improving their self through various ways. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, that's one of the things that always struck me about that is it doesn't cost you anything to work on yourself. Yeah. Now a lot of people will say, Hey, I can't cost you a lot to not work on yourself. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like unrealized gains, right? You don't even know what you're capable of until you really start trying to work on all of your internal, you know, makeup. Um, and I was wondering if you, um, would would take us through you know it sounds like you had some really hard struggles and with that deal and getting into the deal with the lender um but yeah, i know this is our, our best deal episode and uh, with you and i was wondering you know you end up closing on that deal um you know what what's the next did you know at the time that you closed that that was like your eureka moment that you pushed through all of the challenge and and now you're here and you're like ah oh, that's amazing or is is that the end of the story or is there more after that uh, it, the most challenging part of that deal was getting it to the closing table. Uh, certainly there's always challenges along the way. Hey, you know, the, the city of Houston exercises intimate and they have, they make a sell a portion of the land back to them, um, for market price. But you know, we wouldn't have sold it, uh, if they didn't force us to sell it but it was just vacant land that we owned as part of the property. I mean, the, many challenges along the way, um, a couple hurricanes put in there over the last couple of years at the property. Fortunately, everyone was safe and it wasn't, in, there wasn't enough damage to you know, justify an insurance claim. Um, but we bought that thing for 14.1 million. We put in about a million and 16 months later, December, 2016, we, yes, that's a December, 2016, we got a refinance on it for $21.6 million valuation. Wow. Yeah. That's phenomenal. It is phenomenal. And, 
it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling for many reasons. And we still have that deal. We still own it today, 250 units in Houston. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's an incredible property. That's awesome, Joe. Well, I think, uh, you know, it's tough to say like what we deserve or what we don't deserve in life, but it sure is nice when we work really hard and, and really commit to, to ourselves and then have some success along the way with that, you know? Um, those are like above and beyond, I think getting lucky. Those are really setting like pathways to success that it makes it inevitable. And I think Tony and, and those guys would agree with that statement of, yep. of when you really look at people that have uh, like uncharted or it's like undeniable ability to be able to create wealth or have success, always have like the strong internal drive as if that's its own resource in a way yes. that makes you impervious to setbacks. Um, uh, so I, I just think that's neat. And thanks so much for sharing that, that story, uh, with it. I, I, in a lot of ways I was like, man, we got deep, like this was a worse deal. Like I had a big lesson learned out of it. Um, and so, uh, I really appreciate that in terms of, you know, takeaway, you know, um, lesson from, from what you shared today, Joe, with, with people that just heard your story. Um, you know, what would you like to leave everybody with? Uh, Work harder than on yourself than you do your job. I think that's the 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 theme for this story that we went through. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I I had a, a teacher of mine that once told me. He said, uh, you know, always put yourself first. You know, with whatever you're doing. And um, you know, we've had Royal Legal Solutions. We've had such amazing explosive growth over the last year um, that it's like really easy to stop working out and stop meditating and stop eating right. And, and doing all these other things because you get to you get bombarded with all of the other inputs. Um, so uh, I would just encourage you. I mean, I loved hearing your story here today. I, I hope that you continue to share like that message as a part of what you do with investors. I think it's so powerful um, for what you do, man. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And I know you have a, uh, a, a new book that's launching and, and um, what's a good way for people to get in contact with you and, and which they know about your new info that you're launching out here soon. Yep. The book's called Best Ever Apartment Syndication Book. It is about apartment syndication, believe it or not. And uh, it is the only book in the marketplace that walks you through the step-by-step process for how to raise private money from investors, evaluate apartment deals. I have case studies in there of deals that we've done. Um, Do the asset management of those get debt financing, bring in partners if you need to, to get credibility in order to actually uh, get a loan from lenders. Uh, You can go on Amazon and search um, best ever apartment syndication book, or just search Joe Fairless. I've got three books. This is the third. So um, you'll just want to find the best ever syndication book. And this is, this episode's airing the week of launch. And during this week, we have a special offer this is the book this week during launch week and email info at joefairless.com then you'll receive a bunch of free goodies in addition to the book so info at joefairless.com and you'll get you know a bunch of bunch of good stuff that's awesome joe uh we'll have that in the show notes as well too for everybody uh to be able to, to collect through with that um And uh, I think that's it for today, everybody. Of course, I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, uh, here at the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. Um, I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, home for everything real estate, tax, uh, business, and legal. 
Uh, look forward to uh, seeing you again here uh, soon, Joe. What a great episode, man. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Enjoyed our conversation. Thanks. That's all for this Best Deal episode, and I'm your host, Scott Royal Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary best deal could be your next one, so keep at it. Thank you for joining us, and if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.